banter on the board with your hosts, Matt Middleton and Kevin Rayner, where the banter's as ferocious as the Battle of Alberta. Man, Dreisaitl and McDavid are just unreal right now, man. It was an actual absolute series, and Edmonton and those stars closed it out huge. They closed it out big time last night. Started with a bang, ended with a bang. Man, can we just say, though... Allison with the crazy call. Matt over here thinking to himself, we're getting a sweep for Calgary. Nah, Oilers in five all day. Oilers in five, man. Um, I'm not too upset about it because, you know, watching Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl is not like a punishment in any kind of way. 52 points in 12 games, 26 each. They're 11 points ahead of the next closest player on another team and you know, Kane, who has 12 goals in 12 games. Like, are the Oilers legit, man? I have no idea. You find yourself a couple of stars, you add in a broke boy, and maybe you, f- you take it all the way to the championship. This could be crazy. We could be seeing McDavid finally lifting the cup, but hey, we gotta get, you know, we can't get too far ahead of ourselves now. I'm over here. My prediction. Let's not even get into it. Miami and seven. Oh, Boston's probably walking over them. Can we stick with the NHL? Because apparently that has been exciting. Yeah, man. I mean, not blowouts like the NBA. Um, it's been kind of sad, but yeah, man. The NHL's been you know pretty exciting. Uh, Colorado, St. Louis, still going on. I think Colorado's definitely going to take that one, though. You see that dirty goal by McKinnon the other night. The kid is just really good at hockey. Man, I was out eating a giant, massive poutine bowl and watching a couple of crazy, hilarious hockey bros go off in that game. Loving it, but we're also super sad in the OT winner that happened. But, I mean, more hockey is, is good at least. You know, I'd rather not have blowouts. I like wins. Oh, I mean, you have the blowout with Tampa, right? Tampa just easily swept Florida. Um, you knew that, though. Kind of... Kind of predictable, yeah, definitely, man. Um, you know, Florida humming along as the number one team in the NHL all year. I was, like, kind of weary about it. They do have a really deep roster, but when it comes to, you know, that star-studded experience, that's what the Tampa Bay Lightning have, and they were easy to close it out. And, yes, Lee fans, we can hear you. You would have beaten Florida had you gotten past Tampa Bay. We I get mean, it. That's the story of... Last year, that's the story of... Oh, wait, sorry. That's just the story of the Leafs at this point in time. Okay, let's not kick them while they're down, man. Um, you know, the other good series that's going on, uh, Carolina pulled ahead 3-2 last night over New York. Um, they're 7-0 and at home, 0-5 on the road. They're so lucky that they have home, home ice advantage, and if they can get through, they'll have home ice advantage again against Tampa Bay. So this might be your Cal- or Carolina's year to, to get to the Cup. I mean, that's what Carolina fans want. I'm over here rooting for the Rangers because my boy JT, that's the last team that he's rooting for, so I've like attached myself to them. I'm, I'm hoping for them, but I mean, hey, if they're not going to win at home, without being at home, they ain't going to win this series. Man, the other funny thing about this series is the Twitter battle going on between the Carolina Hurricanes Twitter and the Empire State Building. Oh, man. Uh, Carol, did you see that? Carolina uh, no. tweets out a picture of, like, a big storm around the Empire State Building and said, you know, storms coming to New York. And then the Empire State Building's Twitter just put out a, a picture of green grass and, like, those, you know, white lawn chairs and one of them falling over. And he was like, yeah, that was the storm. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, man, too good. You can't stop 
Twitter these days, the social media handles for some of these large companies and I guess buildings as well, go crazy. Go crazy, man. Well, the Empire State Building's like a tourist attraction and a business in of itself. So, but yeah, man, hockey's been pretty wild. Um, I honestly think that we're probably going to get, you know, Colorado versus Edmonton in the conference finals versus uh, Tampa Bay, Carolina. And I would love to see Edmonton get to the cup and win it. I mean, McDavid winning a cup with this kind of performance, putting the team on his back. Yes, he has dry sidle, fortunately for him, but it's really the two of them, man. And like everybody else is just supplementary. I mean, if you're a Canadian and you're not with the last Canadian team going for the cup, there's something wrong with you. You're not a true Canadian and you're not a true hockey fan at this point. Give Calgary fans like a minute, man. Like they're still pretty sour about this. So it'll take them a minute before they can start cheering for Edmonton. They, they can have a couple of days. They can come back on Monday when I'll go back to work and they'll realize, okay, yeah, we do still want to enjoy hockey. But, you know, I'm over here in the hilarity of being in the heart of Calgary. But, you know, I've got Edmonton gal Allison over there. She's about to come home and just like, if we had an Edmonton flag, she would fly it out of her car probably for the next week. That's how super invested she's been into the Battle of Alberta. It's really lit up the province. So, you know, it's been pretty exciting to say the least. Hey, man, that's what the NHL wanted when they did these divisional series and playoffs kind of format. They wanted those rivalries to happen, and they definitely got got it in uh, the Battle of Alberta. That was a, a tough series for both teams. You know, gritty, grimy, lots of goals. It was wild. Mike Smith letting in a shot from, like, 100 feet away and blaming his teammates is just beautiful. It, it was good, man. It was really fun. Four goals in a minute and 11 seconds. New record in the NHL playoffs like it was chaos bullets coming out the chamber left and right pretty appropriate for the Texas of the North that is Alberta so but I think that's it for hockey I don't know if there's anything else on your end I think we can move to the NBA and before we talk about these okay-ish series we can talk about some more awards that were given out these all NBA teams all defensive teams our boy Pascal slipping his way into the all NBA third team and can I just say Matt Besides one situation, I got every single one of these players right, and I'm very, very happy about it. Well, I I think it was pretty obvious with, you know, the players and where they were going to land, except for Joel Embiid and Nikola Jokic. Um, That was the biggest toss-up between first team and second team. Um, Obviously, we knew once Jokic won MVP that he was probably going to be named first team. I still think, you know, Joel Embiid should have had a legitimate shot to make first team over a guy like, you know, even Luka Doncic, Devin Booker, and Jason Tatum, like, all those guys weren't even close to the level of performance that Embiid put out this season with the, you know, third in the MVP voting or second in the MVP voting, whatever he was. Um, For him to be on second team is just a little weird to me. You're right in the idea that it was easy to say, right? When you look at the names in this list and you think about the MVP race that was happening all season long, we had guys like Damar, Curry, even Jaw show up and be a part of that. We had Luca show up, but you're completely right. Nobody else should be ahead of Joel and Giannis and Jokic. They were the top tier. And if this just once again isn't another, hey, NBA, you need to deal with this problem. That is, you have stars in this league and they shouldn't be bound to positions anymore. Yeah, absolutely. And the fact that multiple people left LeBron James off their all-NBA ballot 
when the guy averaged 30 points a game. I think he's the first player in NBA history to not be on a first or second team after averaging 30 points uh, per game for a full season. So that's some LeBron hate right there. But hey, man, I'm happy because our boy made third team. The campaigning worked. Pascal Siakam definitely deserved it. Uh, I think this is the second time that he's made an all-NBA team. Uh, proven that, you know, he's definitely a top 25 player when it's all said and done um, in the NBA. Like, you know, without injuries, injuries, everything in consideration, I think Pascal Siakam's a top 25 player. I just think he's closer to 25 than he is to 10. So... I mean, that, that is the conversation that's going on in the Raptors community right now. People being like, Siakam's a top 15 player, and... Raptors fans coming out and being like, guys, top 25, come on, slow down here. Let's relax a little bit. There's some good people who who play basketball in this league, right? So, But we have to be excited for him. We have to be pumped for Siakam. He showed his worth at the end of this season and joins the list of, you know, every couple of years we see this, a player gets on the All-NBA teams and is not an All-Star. Fun. Yeah. Fun fact. Happens a couple of years. I'm pretty sure it happened to Al Horvath a couple of years ago. Uh, there's some interesting names on that list, but the if, rest. If he had started the season for sure you know, with the Raptors and not healthy, he probably would have been an All Star. Um, would have liked to see Fred Van Vliet on maybe an All NBA team or an All Defensive team. Hate that the guy got snubbed. You know, he had 41 points to Draymond Green's 34, but because of the positions, Draymond Green gets you know on the second team. I would have loved to see our boy on a second team because I think he's one of the best defenders in the NBA. Defense is hard, right? When you when you realize that this does still come down to voting. People still have to vote for who they want on this team. It's not just a pure statistical fact. And also, again, it's defense. You can't just look at the statistics because there's so many intangibles to the way things go. But, yeah, I would also have loved to see our boy with a little bit more representation here. But a decent list. You know, I love seeing Jaron Jackson Jr. up here. The guy's a monster on the blocks and is going to be a staple for this Grizzlies team who are hopefully going to find their way back but you know that's that's the defensive teams for you this is just the nba yeah i'm the one player that i have kind of like a problem with is uh matisse thibel not because he's not a great defender but because i watched him in that you know raptors series and he didn't impact it at all he actually impacted it negatively for the philadelphia 76ers like we wanted him on the court uh we were you know you know panning Justin Trudeau to make an exempt for him to come to Canada so that he could play on the Raptors home court because probably if he's on the floor in game six we win that game six because he takes some brick threes and lets some easy buckets go in because he wasn't that great guarding our players um, but yeah that's just my one gripe <laughs> this is also the classic example of these are votes that come in before the playoffs happen I'm pretty confident in, in that as well so you have to think that Matisse really did fall apart in the playoffs for this team, but also like Philadelphia in as a whole fall, fell apart. But I, I don't want to blame the kid because he's young and to be missing out on games, to be dealing with not being vaccinated, regardless of the situation, regardless of how I feel about it, you know, it's tough to go one way or another and not get to play. But Matisse, figure your life out, man. This fan here is, is losing his fandom. Get vaccinated, man. Just get vaccinated. Um, but let's, let, let's just not talk about it anymore. I mean, we went through the teams. There were some good teams, some good players. There were some snubs, man. Um, but we don't have to talk about that because when you talk about snubs, you really have to take a player off, and all of those guys were pretty deserving in my opinion. It's really hard to remove anybody 
from these lists, right? Like, people get sad that Gobert doesn't get to be on an All-NBA team, but, again, it's it's big centers. There's only so many positions as well at the end of the day. And there's, like, only so many good centers in the NBA. I mean, Carl Anthony Towns making it almost, like, a default because <laughs> he's, like, a quote-unquote semi-superstar, and, he, like, that's, that's what gets you there. Uh, it's pretty sad, but, hey, man, the NBA is not doing well right now in terms of, you know, pop, in terms of, um, you know, suspense or anything like that, we're really getting some blowouts here. I think the closest game in the, the Mavs-Warrior series was game two, when the Mavs jumped out to that huge lead, and it looked like they were going to blow them out, and Golden State just came back with a knockout third quarter. Man, talk to me about those Mavs. Well, you could you bring up the most pivotal moment in the series, right? You talk about how they had the momentum. The Mavs were at a chance to take a game, to steal home court, to you know really make a staple against this Golden State team that now, four games later, is a return to their dynastic form. Andrew Wiggins is going off. Poole is showing up as the next Splash Bro. Klay Thompson had Game 5 Clay. You didn't even need Game 6 Clay, right? Like Steph Curry gets this new award. Like Golden State is showing up. And they're ready to come and take their throne back. But as me and Matt have discussed all season long, it's the West. The West isn't what it used to be. And they're now sitting, waiting to take on the opportunity in the East. But we won't talk about who them are yet. We'll save it to the end. And we'll discuss this series itself. The the Mavericks versus Golden State. Luka in his Jordan arc, trying to figure out what he's going to do. Like, tough at the end of the day for them to take an L. Well, I think the the worst part about the series for the Mavs is that their offense was working. Like, what they wanted to do and, and how they got here to this point, how they beat Phoenix, and everything that worked for them was getting open looks. Is They couldn't can a bunch of them like they did in the other series. Yep. Maxi Kleba, through the first two rounds of the playoffs, was shooting lights out from deep. He couldn't hit a shot outside of Game 4. Um, you know, Reggie Bullock, I think he had an over 9 performance in this series oh in one of the games. Like, he couldn't can a shot. And that's really what they depend on because they don't have a counterpunch. Their, their punch is, Luka's going to drive, and when you guys all collapse on him, he's going to kick. And yeah. you're going to get open shots. But unfortunately, if you don't hit those open shots, you have to switch to something. And they just couldn't, you know. Brunson, Dinwiddie couldn't carry enough of the load in the two-pointer range. It just got to the point where Luka, you know, was just getting mauled almost every time he was going up the court. You know, Andrew Wiggins, wow, what a defensive player he turned out to be in this series. I mean, absolutely phenomenal, having everyone reassess their opinion about him being a bust. And, like, I never thought he was a bust, but, like, good for him, man. He's been unreal in this series. I just thought GS is too deep, man. I don't think they have the elite talent like, you know, a, a Milwaukee or even like a, a Mavs team in terms of Luka. Like, I don't think Steph is a top five player at the moment. But, hey, man, when, you, when you're surrounded by Clay, Dre, Poole, and Wiggs, you're going to get there. They've got it as a team, right? And I'm really sad that they're they're missing Gary Payton. I think that he would have been extremely valuable when it comes to this next round matchup in the finals. But I think I, he might play. And that's that's the hope, right? But that'd be kind of crazy, all things considered. That's the beauty of modern medicine, I, I guess, at this point. But, uh, yeah, Golden State's back. 
they're here to play, and, you know, we're going to get to talk about them more, but when it comes to this series, you know, Kevon Looney was unreal for them, and, and Steve Kerr really played his cards the right way, and that's kind of the beauty of playoff basketball that we get to see, the beauty of these chess matches and why coaches are so valuable, and it's going to be interesting to see the solutions that Golden State will have to come up in the next rounds because they really did solve Dallas. And now the question for Dallas comes, well, where do we go from here? What do we do next? Because you could run it back. You could bring Brunson back. You could look at Luka and this heliocentric offense that you've created and think, yeah, it will work, but maybe you need a second star. Maybe you do need to give an opportunity for Luka not to have to have the ball in his hands so much, right? Like, Dallas has to figure out their next step. They can't just let this be a get-there situation and then fall back and not get there again, right? That's not fair to Luka. Yeah, I I don't know how they're going to get that second star because, unfortunately, you know, we talked about during the season thinking maybe Dinwiddie was that guy. Brunson really showed up in the playoffs in that Utah series, and we thought maybe he was that guy. But I think that their ceilings are a little bit too low, and they're not consistent enough. Um, you know, Dinwiddie did have, you know, a 30-point game against Phoenix, and then two 26-point games against GS. Like, but it's just not enough. It's not consistent. You can't rely on it. And I think with Luca, they definitely need that second consistent guy who can create his own shot and you know, get get a bucket when they need it. And I don't know who that guy's going to be, but I don't know how they're going to get him in. I mean, this is the hope of what Dallas has been doing, right? They've been they've been trying to flip that one valuable asset for the next one to hope that it is that star. And, you know, Porzingis obviously wasn't it, but they got Tim Hardaway out of that trade. And, I mean, he was sorely missed, you know, with his injuries and what he's been dealing with. So getting him back healthy will be extremely valuable. And you mentioned Dinwiddie, and now I'm thinking to myself, well, can they trade Dinwiddie for a star and somebody really good who can then be that next like this is them just slowly getting better but you end up in this situation where you have a Brunson who you have to pay to come back or maybe you have to do a sign-in trade you have Reggie Bullock and Kleba and Finney Smith these good role players but it's like do we have to now trade them for that star like this is the chaos and, and the beauty of where they sit right and I hope that the the Dallas front office will look at this playoff run and realize we really do have something special in Luka, and we really can compete for the next 15 years if we do it right. And so it'll be really interesting to see the next steps for this team. Absolutely, man. They should be a playoff staple for the next, you know, at least 10 years. The guy's only, what, 23 years old? Um, he's already one of the most prolific NBA playoff players ever. In 30 the plus short points. Amount of, in the short amount of time that he's been in the NBA, man. Um, his like elimination game stats are ridiculous. Yesterday was his first bad elimination game. I mean, he couldn't hit a shot in the first half. When Kevon Looney has more points than him at halftime, like you know it's not the Mavs night. Man was ready for a short vacation, and then he's going to grind. You know Luca's coming into next season healthy, fit, and ready to take names. Well, I mean that's the the you know kind of weird thing about Luca is is he gonna come in shape is he going to take it seriously because he's also the guy who's drinking a beer before game one of this of this conference final so 
Oh, I still, when you told me that, I thought to myself, this really is the spirit animal of Matt, like, becoming the ultimate basketball player. Like, this is so crazy to me. I love it. He's an absolute stud. Anything else, man? Anything else you got on the Mavericks front you want to bring up or think about? Or can we, should we move to the East? Ah, uh, man, we can move to the East in this wacky, wacky series um, where I think Miami's just kind of grinded down at this point. They've just got nothing left, um, and Boston's probably going to take easy in Game 6, man. Sorry, your prediction's not coming true. I mean, it was a hope. I was holding out for hope for this prediction. You know, everyone always says that a championship team needs to be either a top-10 defense or a top-10 offense, and they also always say the defense wins championships. Well, Celtics are the best defense in the league, and they've proven it. Series and series again, time and time again, they have shut down different player after different player. And, I mean, Jimmy Butler is no exception. Even though he's done what he's done at this point, Miami has no answer. They just don't. Uh, man, absolutely. And, unfortunately, like, you know, he's dealing with knee inflammation. You've got Hero who's out. You've got Kyle Lowry who's hurt. Struess was banged up last game. Uh, P.J. Tucker's banged up. And that's not to say that, like, you know, Boston doesn't have injuries. We all saw Marcus Smart roll his ankle and, and come back out onto the court. Um, but they just, they're not as injured. I know Robert Williams has been, missed some games, and the media is trying to put out this narrative that Jason Tatum's shoulder's hurting. Um, I don't buy it. The guy was writhing on the ground in pain, kind of opening his eyes, looking at the crowd, making sure the cameras weren't on him, and then literally used that shoulder to bowl over Bam Adebayo, who's probably the Heat's biggest player like if me and my shoulder hurts i'm not using it as a battering ram that's just my opinion but yeah i just i think miami's broken down and and boston's defense is too much for them at this point i mean holding them to 80 points in back-to-back games is pretty ridiculous it has been blowout after blowout swings and a miss so many things here and there and Heat fans are probably just sad because this is not the team that they've gotten to enjoy on this playoff run. And Boston is, is really showing up and proving that, you know, they're a different team than what we saw in the first few weeks of the season. Their story, if they can go all the way, will be fantastic. I mentioned it last week. Rookie coach getting to have another championship in his first year. Pretty exciting considering what we've seen in the league. But really, it's these players coming together. It's this team coming together and creating this camaraderie, right? Creating this team that could potentially go all the way. And we're seeing the potential out of these players now. This is the trust the process that, my, that you know, Philly wanted that we're seeing happen now in Boston. Actually, man, because, you know, Brown, Tatum, Smart, uh, Robert Williams, Grant Williams have been together for a while. And then you throw in a player like Al Horford, who has been a part of this team, you know, kind of left the team, was on the fringe of the NBA. But he's been one of their best players oh. through these playoffs. Some games, man, he is their best player, which is absolutely wild for a 37-year-old, you know, Al Horford, who everyone thought was washed. Um, this guy is just, you know, playing lights out some nights, and it's ridiculous. The Raptors needed Marcus All to get through Giannis and Embiid. We've got to say right here, Horford really got the Celtics through those two matchups, just saying. So the Celtics are, are really good. And I was not ready to say this. I was not ready to see them team be this good. But 
hopefully it means that when we get to the final matchup, because, I mean, everyone's kind of expecting at this point in time that Miami's going to probably roll over and Boston's going to take this. We're going to get this really, really interesting matchup in the final of Golden State versus Boston. A massive defensive force versus an offensive juggernaut with Draymond Green, who is the defensive you know, mastermind inside of it. So I think we're in for a potentially really interesting matchup that if the NBA has anything so far, might also just be a blowout in one team's direction once they finally figure each other out. Like that's the chaos of what we got going on right now. Well, I think it's funny because, you know, everyone's already, you know, previewing a Golden State Boston final. Um and Miami's still in this thing and they were previewing it, you know, even yesterday before Dallas got eliminated. Oh yeah. Um no respect for these teams, but at this point, if you watch the NBA, if you know it, I think it's going to take a monumental effort for Miami to, to win Game 6 and Game 7, yeah. and I just don't think that they have enough. I don't think Jimmy Butler's knees are going to let him do it, and I think what we've seen from Bam Adebayo and what we now know for sure is that he is best suited to be the number three player on a championship-caliber team. And they were hoping Kyle Lowry could step in and be a number two, could like he was for Kawhi Leonard. But mm. unfortunately, Kyle Lowry's old, and he is hurt, man. And besides that, you know, game three where he came back and he had that phenomenal start because there were so many little things that he was doing in that. Uh, you know, Tatum had a turnover to Butler that was honestly created because Kyle took the right path underneath the screen to, to you know, um, box out and, and to give... Tatum a, a charge foul potentially yeah. and he was setting up Bam out of bile my favorite part of the game is uh, you know Miami's pulling back because they don't have Butler and it's it's a close game and you're you're, you're nail biting and Kyle Lowry puts the ball into Bam out of bile and Bam's just kind of like trying to back down Brown but not really doing much and Kyle Lowry yells go man and he goes and he lays it up right over Brown and it's you know Kyle Lowry does those little things that you just gotta love in a player he just isn't the same guy that he was four years ago he's got the the beautiful knowledge of the game of basketball he has some fantastic moments but man are Raps fans happy we didn't dish out 90 million for this man we love Kyle he is the greatest Raptor of all time he will always be held on a pedestal for Raptors fans but this is why we didn't pay him moments like this you know we wanted to go in a different direction and yes, if Kyle is super healthy and he's engaged, he's active, and he knows what he's doing, he is exactly the type of bulldog that you want at the head of your team. But you don't get that out of a 35-plus-year-old player anymore. It just doesn't happen. I'm sorry. That's the fact of life. Who's played a grinding style his entire you know, career. This man takes so many charges. Uh, it's ridiculous ridiculous and so it you know it's about time his body's you know gonna start giving out on him and for someone who came to fitness a little bit later in his career you know um i think he was like you know 28 or 29 before he started really taking it seriously this is what happens i mean we're seeing it with james harden who's never taken fitness seriously like he just kind of fell off a cliff right in front of our eyes and i you know don't get me wrong i think james harden can come back if he take some fitness seriously because mm -hmm. i think he can regain some of that athleticism and i you know think if kyle takes this off season really rests up maybe maybe a little bit more load management next season that he could do something in the playoffs but i really think yeah this is miami's best year to get there this was the 
most wide open it's going to be. Chris Middleton got hurt. Boston was able to sneak through because of it. So you weren't playing the juggernaut that is, you know, the the Bucks and Giannis. Mm-hmm. This was their year, man. I mean, I, I feel like this is what everyone said when they got through in the bubble and after they lost, right? It, I feel like we're rinsing and repeating with Miami, which kind of sucks for them, right? And, you know, you have to give Jimmy his credit. He has played fantastic. He has, you know, pulled this team all the way with some young guys. You think about Max Struess. You think about the fact that Doug Robinson hasn't been playing. Like, there's so many things that are interesting about this Miami team, but you do just expect them to fall flat and just just be that little bit short at the end of the day. Yeah, and it's obvious when you see that, you know, Kyle and Struess have combined for, you know, one of 28 in the last two games. Like, Oof. just disgusting stats and Jimmy Butler's that you know one more year older he's gonna be 33 next year or at the end of this year and into next year like it's it's gonna be pushing 34 like at the end of the day that's when your your NBA peak kind of ends right like for me the NBA peak is 26 27 to about 33 34 those are the the prime years of your NBA career where you have all the basketball knowledge and you still have that athleticism um, and then after that, it starts to wane. You can already see it, man. His knee, he can't hold up like he used to. He can drop 40 points in the playoffs, but at what cost? Absolutely, at what cost? And I don't know, man. If you, Okay, so we're, if we're looking at Miami and Boston. Obviously, you're expecting Tatum is getting this MVP award. I mean, like, I still think Grant Williams has been a stud and should get, like, the uh, Andre Iguodala MVP-style award, but... Who knows? It's probably going to Tatum, though, at the end of the day. Oh, it's going to go to Tatum because he's their quote-unquote superstar. Even though some games he shows up, some games he doesn't. Sometimes he needs Al Horford to really help him push his point totals and his, you know, his two-man game. He really likes working with Al Horford, but, yeah, it's going to be Tatum, man. Come on. The, these these new awards are just going to become the... They're garbage. I didn't win finals MVP because my team lost awards honestly and then the guy who does win finals mvp is like look at this award that goes beside my other award but like it's uh, i don't even know garbage award <laughs> yeah, garbage. we'll see i don't know i think it's a cool idea to to honor some people but at the end of the day it's not not great not great who cares who's the best player in the series and at the end of the day the best player in the series isn't always you know the winner of the award or the guy who is the most integral part of their team doesn't win the award because you're right like the things that grant williams did in the buck series you know without him and al horford they don't get through man and this is like i think something that is really shining through in this nba playoffs whereas in years past it's really been like the star you know everybody looks at the the Toronto Raptors team that won is like, oh, it's Kawhi and everybody else. But I think what this playoffs is proving and what that you know run for us proved is that you need to have four or five other guys on your roster that can all step up in the playoffs and play key roles. Because when your star is having a off night or your star is having, you know, is being keyed on and can't get to the the spots that he needs to and they're leaving guys open you need those open guys to hit shots and you need them to make plays and i think that's what boston has and miami doesn't you know they were starting two undrafted guys gabe vincent and max Struess in the in the first two games of the series like they just they're not deep enough especially with all the injuries it talks about the importance of intelligence 
the importance of knowing your role, the importance of understanding basketball and being able to step in and, and be whatever your team needs in those moments. And you think about Boston's storyline about how they weren't having any of that the first 20 games into the season. And they had a conversation and obviously they have figured out what matters. They figured out what each player is going to do to win games. And you're seeing that all come together at the end of the season, culminate into this this team success, this camaraderie. And it's why I have hope for, for a Raptors squad that is growing up together and is going to agree and, and learn together. And hopefully OG isn't super sad that maybe it isn't his time. And hopefully Scotty isn't this too crazy young buck that is coming in and taking over. But all, all it takes is the right chemistry and you can go all the way to the chip, all the way to the top. Yeah, I and I think, I mean, you were talking about it before this that, you know, I'm super sad. I think we're just going to roll into Raptors chat that the Raps didn't, you know, draft Evan Mobley. And I said to you, no, man, like I'll take Scotty um, because of his personality every single day of the week. Um, when OG had that career high, I think like 36 point game early in the season and like before Siakam was back. And you, you see that Scotty video of, you know, talking to the young goat, you know, or like, you know, just like giving it to him and, and making him feel great about the performance that he just put on as a rookie. And like he hugs everybody. He's always smiling. Oh, yeah. I think he's the type of player that creates team culture that is so conducive to winning. I mean, you look at Steph Curry and what he's been able to do with Golden State, and he is that team's culture, yeah. right? Like he let Jordan Poole start at the beginning of the playoffs while he was coming back and it wasn't an issue and he was like no I know my role I know that I'm only going to play a certain amount of minutes I know that you need to start like and was willing to take a back seat and I think Scotty's that type of guy whereas um like that's going to create the the team environment that we need do you did you see um the bickering that happens between Steph Curry and Jordan Poole at the free throw line whenever there's a technical free throw Oh, so, between who gets to take it? Yeah, because Curry's like, I'm literally potentially the greatest free throw shooter of all time. And Jordan Poole's like, yeah, but I'm a better free throw shooter percentage-wise this season. So let me take it. It's hilarious. And you talk about the camaraderie and, and the teamwork that gets built up. And those are the type of things you see. And yeah, Scotty has it. And, you know, Matt knows over here that, that Scotty's like one of my favorites. I was so glad to get him. And, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm cruising through my phone last night looking at different things and what do I not see if it's not an Instagram story from your boy Scotty? His words going, "Hey, uh, where can I get someone to build me a PC? Like, can I can I fall in love with this guy anymore? Can I be more pumped? He's a he's a PC gamer as well. My gosh, yeah, Scotty is the right fit. He's exactly the type of energy you want for this team, and I have have hopes that we can come back and be strong. I have hopes that we can have a success successful off season, but." You know, we're sitting here kind of in limbo land, and it'll be interesting to see what Masai does. And honestly, with watching where the the NBA is right now, and the teams that are left, you know, Kavon Looney's probably the most traditional center out of the, the rest of the players. I'm, I look at Hal Horford on the, the court sometime, and I, I question myself thinking, was he always this small? Because he <laughs> doesn't look like a center, but he played center for years, or at least power forward. Or a guy like Robert Williams isn't the biggest guy, and like you know, PJ Tucker and Grant Williams and Draymond Green are all playing center minutes. And we have Scotty, who's six nine. We have Precious, who's six nine. Um, are we really looking for a center in the draft? 
like I want, like Christian Coloco at 33, or are we looking for guards, man? Because it came out that after the combine, the Raptors chose to meet with you know two lottery players, who are uh, Dyson Daniels and Benedict uh, Matherin, and are we going to move up in the draft to target one of those players? Are we looking, you know, at the future of finding a guard later? Like, what's going on with the Raps? They're in a weird place, right? You have players like Boucher, like Malachi. I could even say OG and Gary, even though I don't want to trade them, that give you the possibility of moving your way into the draft. And as we've seen in the past, when the Raptors organization likes a player, they're going to do what they can to try to get that player. I mean, we've all seen the videos of Masai trying to get Giannis way back when. We've all seen it at this point. So who knows? Maybe this is a story of, of things to come. But, uh, man, I, I don't know, man. I look at this team and, and, I, and I think, do we have trade options? Like, is Thad going to come back? Could we flip Boucher? Like, I'm kind of just hanging out and waiting around now because I don't even know how to speculate about trades at this point. Well, I think your best point before we started was the Christian Wood trade. Now, Christian Wood's been on, what, six different NBA teams already. Um, Which is crazy. For a 26-year-old guy, yeah, it's crazy. absolutely Crazy, I didn't even insane. think. I thought like three or four, maybe. It, and the fact that he, for his career, like averages like 14 points a game and, and seven rebounds, like that's pretty good stats for a guy who's been on six teams in, in you know, eight years or whatever it is, seven years. Um, so I would take him on our team. I think, you know, he's definitely an upgrade over a guy like Boucher. If we could use a Boucher Malachi in our first and our second round pick to get him, I think that's a great trade, but I don't know if it moves our needle, like finding a guard would Um, like a, a true guard that could play with Gary Trenton and Freddie and relieve some of that pressure when we need it, you know, a microwave scorer off the bench um, is something that we probably need. And, we don't have it at the moment. We we need our Jordan Poole. We need our Desmond Bain. You know, we, we really do need to find more shooting, right? And I think about who we've tried in the past, right? Like, we we had Iceman, Matt Thomas. That didn't work. We had uh, Svi this year. That didn't work. Um, my boy Utah, um, who never really been a shooter, but... Can I also just shout out, this man was in Asia's Forbes 30 under 30. Guy just got engaged this week. Congratulations, Utah Watanabe, the legend. I say this because this might be the, like, the last time I get to talk about him because he's As a probably, Raptor. he's probably, yeah, exactly. He's probably not coming back. You know, fan favorite yeah. over here, shed a tear, but I, I just don't know, right? Like, can we flip Boucher and Flynn for something that's useful? Do we have to move an OG or a Gary? to really get a valuable asset. But again, is there a valuable asset out there that fits in our team? Like, these are all the questions that our office is looking at right now. And are they just going to, like, bank on the fact that Justin Champagny and Delano Banton are going to take a, a step forward this year? Um, I would think that's probably what they're going to do. They're probably going to be patient. They're probably going to just, you know, wait it out. Yeah. But I would like them to be a little aggressive. Um, I saw this, you know video of potentially trading Gary Trent Jr. Um, but I don't know if I would ever want to trade Gary Trent Jr. at the moment. The guy's, you know, a microwave scorer definitely and, and 
maybe takes a little bit of a backseat with the players that we do currently have and, and could maybe take a little bit more of a role um, if his ego, you know, maybe allow him to go as our primary bench scorer. But then we need a guy in our starting lineup who can do the things that he does, who can play the type of defense. I mean, he wasn't like an all-NBA defender this year, but he was up there. He was definitely in the top half of the league when it comes to defensive play. Um, it's just tough, man. I just don't know where we go at this point. And we definitely need shooting because when Fred Van Vliet went out in that Philadelphia 76ers series, we could not hit a three to save our lives. Hopefully Scotty's in the gym knocking down a million shots a day as Matt was requesting. Well, yeah, Matt was requesting this last week. I'm sure he's thinking about it every day. That's what we want to see. But we just need shooting. We absolutely do. I requested it after watching his um, video of him working out. And what did he do? He put out a video of him, you know, doing followaways and fadeaways. It, guys, listen to the podcast. Love him. Scotty <laughs> Shout out Scotty. what is up. But, yeah, we're hoping that this team can can continue to grow and continue to find its next steps. Will we get new shooting? Who knows? Will we move up in the draft? Who knows? We're still in a fun place. Like, last summer, we were excited to see what was going to happen. We had Scotty. We weren't sure what the future was going to hold. And we had a fun season. And now we're kind of just, you know, we're playing with with, with free money on the table at this point in time. It's going to be a fun off season and another fun summer ahead of us. Yeah, absolutely, man. Um do you want to talk about the, the Boston-Golden State matchup? I know it's not official yet, but that's probably the matchup we're getting. Um, you know, two of the more storied franchises in the NBA at this point, I, with what Golden State's been able to do over the last 10 years, they're definitely now in the upper echelon of, you know, the the Bulls, the Lakers, the Celtics, you know, those, those types of teams. And now um, you're going to get the Celtics, who haven't won a championship since, what, 2008? Um I think it's going to be a pretty good series. I would say Boston's going to win this pretty handedly, my I mean, personal opinion. Probably going to be right, but again, we have to remember that experience matters, and experience counts. And for Golden State to be in their sixth final in eight years is pretty impressive. To do it with the core that they've had is pretty impressive. To come back from two career-ending-ish injuries for Klay Thompson, a broken hand for Steph Curry. I mean, Draymond Green said it best. This team won 15 games two seasons ago. To come back from all of that and just lose handily to Boston? No, I don't see that happening. Now, they're probably still going to lose because, again, defense wins championships. I, I love saying that. It's my new favorite phrase because it is what is going to matter at the end of the day, but... Man, it's going to be a fun matchup. I really think it's going to be a fun matchup. Unless it's blowouts, and I don't want more blowouts. We've seen too many blowouts. Please, no more blowouts. I know, but like, I think that's what the NBA is at the moment. Because if you can't hit your three-point shots that night, you're not getting back into the game. And the game can get out of hand really quick when the other team is hitting theirs. And that's that's what it is, man. Like Everyone's shooting threes. Nobody's looking to just score. And even when they're down like eight or nine or ten they're like oh let's hit the three let's hit the three like how about we you know hit a two get a stop hit a two get a stop like there's none of that old workman-like mentality anymore and i think that's you know a little bit annoying about the nba recently but hey it's still a good product and i think i made this comment 
which is why I have hope. Like I think I made this comment last week about why I have hope for Golden State, for example. I think it's why I also had hope for um, the Grizzlies that they've got through is they have that dynamic ball movement style, and I hope that that type of movement can mess with Boston a little bit, find those quick openings, and take advantage of it. We've seen how quick Poole can be. We see how quick Wiggins can be, and he has the strength to push through, but there's too many names, too many defenders. Can Boston stay healthy, right? That's a, that's a super big factor that is going to matter, you know? We think about the series that we saw in the finals last year when the Suns were up 2-0, and then Kaminsky goes down, Whoever the backup was, Dario Saric goes down. Dario Saric. Yeah, Dario Saric goes down, and then Kaminsky gets eaten alive for the rest of the series. You know, one player going down can mean immense things for this series, so I think it's going to be exciting. I'm still looking at six games or so. I don't think it's going to be as easy as it could be, but time will tell, Matt. What else you got? Anything about this series you want to prep? Nah, man. I think... uh... We'll talk about it all next week when it's actually happening, um, or at least slated to start. June second is when it's you know the first game of the NBA uh, final. So next Thursday, man, we'll we'll you know set it up. We'll preview it all day. Look at that. The NBA is just looking out for us, setting us up for success. Well, I'll lead us into takes here. I think we've been talking about it. The fact that it's gonna be Miami. Absolutely taken in L. The fact that we're looking at Boston versus Golden State in the final. I see GS just sneaking out. A fourth championship. Wouldn't it be exciting? It's not going to happen. But hey, you never know. Golden State in six. See, I'm just not on that page, man. I got Boston making the finals, and I got Boston in six. The only thing that's going for you is the Kendrick thing and the Golden State Warriors. You know, he drops that album in 2015. They, they win a championship to Pimp a Butterfly. He drops a, an album in 2017. Damn, they win a championship. He drops an album in 2018. The, the soundtrack to Black Panther, they win a championship. This year, he finally drops another album. Are they going to win a championship? I mean, history does repeat itself, but I got Boston, baby. Man, it's still the craziest stat. I couldn't believe this when Matt brings this up for me. And I'm over here laughing because all of those those previous drops were bangers. Fire banger after album, banger drop after banger drop. And Kendrick, my man, this one wasn't as amazing in my opinion. So maybe this does mean that Golden State ain't going to catch the W. But hey, who knows? Time will tell. We'll be talking about it next week, Matt. Anything else from you, my friend? Nah, man, that's it. I think you can wrap us up. Perfect. Well, thanks, everybody, for being here. Follow us on Twitter and Facebook at The Board Sports. Like, subscribe, give us that thumbs up. Check out TheBoardSports.net for new episodes and blog posts. And I'll talk to you next time.